you know, when I'm watching that, I'm just thinking, you know, Gaten um, is, is for everyone, and we need each other, and um, this might, you know, for younger people, this might surprise, I'm not sure, but I look up, I need someone to look up to. I, we all, I think as adults, need someone to look up to and say, um, share your wisdom, share your, share your insight, share what God has taught you. And uh, for me, both Catherine and Emma have been that. Um, this past year, um, both of my grandmothers have passed away, and this year my mom passed away, and just being able to have them here um, to look to and to talk to. And, and just when she gives me a hug, I can just sense the Holy Spirit and love and, and genuine care. And so um, we are so grateful. And what an amazing story for us this morning. And it's living exactly into what I'm talking about. God had winded these things or intertwined these things. And so um, I'm so thankful um, for how he works and how he's moving. And so this morning we're continuing this series back to school. And um, it's just amazing how, you know, we all have this point of reference with school. How church is, 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 is geared to, to this kind of life, for us doing life together, us being together. And we started with worship and how important it is for us to come together and have these moments where we can sing praise and we can hear these amazing stories of how God's moving and what he's doing. Um, we talked about the, the idea of the cafeteria, of gathering together, that everyone's welcome here, that we want to invite everyone um, to this place of worship and this place of, of belonging. Uh, and then last week we looked at the study hall that, that we can connect with with each other. We can build these deep, meaningful relationships, connect with each other, grow with each other. If we take advantage of the opportunities we have, God will show up and do amazing things. And today, we're looking at the idea of tutor or teacher, someone that invests in your life. And, and you know, Catherine invested in so many people's lives. And I think about the, the people in my life that are kind of the pillars that I've, that I've kind of built my own life on. And, and I think back to those, of, um, those who encouraged me and, and really supported me. And uh, one of those is, is a, a middle school football coach. I just remember how, it, how he invested in my life. And if you think about right now, those people, if you look back at your life and you think, who are the ones um, that impacted me in a good way, that kind of gave me a path forward? Maybe you're like me and you see this common quality that they genuinely cared for you. They didn't make it easy. They didn't make it, you know, comfortable, but they cared deeply for your growth and you as a person. And they pushed you forward and they invested in your life and they poured into your life. And so today, that's what we're going to look at. Um, as Catherine poured her life into so many, who are we pouring our lives into? Who has impacted your life? And who are you impacting? Are you investing in others? Or are you seeking out that investment in your own life? And so that's what we're going to look at this morning as we look at 1 Kings. Before we go there, let's precede it with prayer. If you pray with me, please. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this time we can come together. Thank you that um, you are so good and you are holy and you are just and you're righteous and you're patient. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning and we just ask um, that your will would be done in this room, uh, that your will would be done in our hearts and our lives. And, Lord, we pray that um, as we look at these passages and we talk about this and we read these accounts, Lord, that you would uh, help our minds to understand, help our hearts to be open, help our spirits to embrace and absorb this eternal truth. 
And Lord, as we look at it and we think about um, those who've invested in our lives, those who've been patient with us, those who have been forgiving uh, towards us, Lord, we pray that you would help us to see the importance of us then passing that on to others. And and just, Lord, spur within us this morning um, a passion to be poured out into other people, to invest in the lives of people around us. Lord, I pray as we talk about this, as we read these verses, as we think about this this idea of who's invested in us and who we're investing in, I pray that you would protect this conversation, that you would guide us uh, to the place you want us to go. And Lord, help us to be reminded that um, we're headed to a great place. The best is yet to come. We are so excited about what you're going to do. The future is so bright in you. And help us to not just say that, but to believe that and to trust that and to see those who've come before who have that kind of faith, that we would have that kind of faith this morning. Lord, help us now as we read your words. Help us to receive it and to live it and to know it um, in a new way today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to be looking at 1 Kings 19. This is in the front uh, end of the Bible. We call this the Old Testament. This is pre-Jesus. Where we're reading is about 9th century BC. Um, The the Israelites uh, have split into two sections, the northern and the southern kingdom. And uh, the kings, after King David and King Solomon, have been pretty corrupt. Uh, Most of them have been evil and have turned their back on God. And we're under a King Ahab in the northern kingdom. This is where this is taking place. Um, His wife is named Jezebel. Maybe you've heard that name before. Um, She is from another country, and she has invited all of the false gods, uh, the worship of false gods to come with her. And so now... God raises up what we call prophets, and these prophets are to go in and just declare the truth of who God is and and what he expects of his people. And one of those prophets was named Elijah, Elijah the prophet. Now, some of you know that uh, I have a son, and his name is Elijah, and partially what we're going to talk about today is why um, I thought Elijah was such an awesome name. And so we're going to look a little bit at his story, just a quick backdrop very quickly. We don't know how he got trained. We don't know how he built such an amazing relationship to God that he spoke on God's behalf. We don't know how he got so confident in his faith that uh, if you read this, and maybe you want to go read this later, I would encourage you this week. um, There are seven accounts in his life where God does amazing things. Um, He brings a child back to life who dies. Um, Elijah's there, and there's a story. We were actually there in November where on Mount Carmel, he he says, God, send fire down and destroy this altar, and it happens. And it is to show that God is greater than the the servants of Baal. But all these things happen, and if you want to check it out, I encourage you to go check it out. Uh, First and second Kings gives the, the story of Elijah. But it's interesting when you read the story of Elijah, you see two things. First, you see that he is a man of great confidence in the Lord, absolute confidence that uh, he knows that this child is going to come back to life, not because of his power, but because of the power of God. He knows that God's going to send fire from heaven and, and, and destroy this altar to demonstrate the glory of God. But the other part of it that's really interesting to me, and it shows the human side of, of Elijah, is that then also after this event happens, um, The queen makes a decree that that they should kill Elijah, and he goes into running, and he's afraid of Jezebel that she's going to wipe him out, and he runs in fear and hides. And so here he had such such confidence in God, and yet um, he didn't have the same confidence in himself. And I can relate to that. Can you relate to that? That's relatable. 
But as we look at the story, we're going to pick up. Um, Elijah has had these seven things happen, and he's made a relationship with this young man who has a very similar name, Elisha, S-H-A. And he is speaking into his life. He's investing into this young man, and he sees in this young man a quality And he senses God's anointing on this young man. And so here's where we pick up in verse 19. Elijah's had all these amazing things happen. Now he's he's beginning to to build this relationship to Elisha. So Elijah went from there and found Elijah, son of Shephat. He was plowing the... with 12 yoke and oxen of oxen. Now, just one quick note, 12 yoke of oxen would have been significant. That is, that is um, an abundance of resources for him. He would have been wealthy to be able to have that much um, oxen, that many oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, really quickly, background, that was the symbol of I will be your mentor. I will be your teacher. I'm investing in you. I've seen something in you, and I want to invest in you. And so by putting this cloak on Elijah, he's declaring that you're the one I want to mentor. And so he throws the cloak around him, and Elijah left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Now there's some confusion here. Is he saying, look, have I I caused you not to to have this type of relation with your parents anymore? Um, We're going to skip over that. We don't know exactly what he means there, but we do know that, that there is this connection point. There is this deep relationship that now Elijah has said, I will invest in you. And Elijah has said, I receive that. I want that. I want to live into that. And so we continue on. So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. So here's the picture. Elijah, he has this amazing life. Um, God has allowed all these things to happen in his life. And so he has uh, wisdom. He has discernment because he's experienced all these things. And and here he sees this young man, Elisha, and he says, I want to invest in you. I want to pour my life into you. And at that moment, Elisha already has a life. He has um, these 12 oxen. He has land. He has the resources to survive. He has some wealth. And his response to this is that he pours out what he has. He pours it out and he says, I will give freely of what I have. I will pour myself out so that I can be filled with what you have for me. The wisdom, the discernment, the truth. And so in leaving him, we see here at the end, he says, then he set out to follow Elijah and became his what? his servant. And as the story progresses and as we see the two of these working together, um, we see this picture of of an empty vessel where Elijah said, I want to be filled. I want to know. I want to be, I want to learn from you. Teach me. Um, When you you looked into the sky and you knew God was going to send down fire, when you saw that boy and he was dead, tell me so I can know so I can live, so I can be filled, so I can be the prophet that you've been. And in doing so, Elisha was filled because Elijah poured into his life. 
He poured into his life. This morning, have you ever thought of yourself as a vessel? Have you ever thought of yourself as a vessel? That each day we're filling ourselves. Each day we have the opportunity to fill others with hope, with truth, with wisdom, with discernment. Elijah understood that what he had been given, what had been poured into him was not to stay with him, that God desired this wisdom, this leadership, this mentorship to flow, not to stay within him as a container, but to flow into others. And he found this young man, Elisha, and he determined that I will invest in him. I will overflow from my own into his vessel so that he will have as well. Another amazing example of this is in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. The story of Ruth is, is an amazing story. If you, if you want to read another amazing story, it's only th really three pages long. It's the shortest uh, book in the Old Testament. And it talks about um, this woman named Naomi who moved from Israel because there was a great famine. And she moved to Moab. And in Moab, um, she had uh, her two sons got married. And something happened. We're not given all the details, but her two sons die and her husband dies. And she determines that she will return to Israel to her family. And as she's leaving, he, she says to her two daughter-in-law, she said, look, um, where I'm going is a totally different place than Moab. We have a totally different view of reality. We have a totally view of, of, of life. Um, go remarry, find someone else, live here. And yet here is what her daughter-in-law, Ruth's response is. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Naomi reluctantly, she even says, look, go back. Go back. Yet Ruth understood she had seen something in Naomi. She had heard something in Naomi that she wanted to be filled with. She wanted to become her identity. She wanted to be um, grafted into this family so desperately that she said, I will not leave you, Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. I want to be filled with what you have. I want to learn and grow in this. And it's interesting as you read this story that Naomi for some time felt like God was against her and was punishing her. And yet when Ruth meets this man named Boaz, who's, a, we call him the kinsman redeemer, he's, a, he's an owner of great lands, and they begin to have this romantic relationship, Naomi begins to see the benefit of, of allowing Ruth to come with her. And it's this amazing story where Ruth, recognizes what God is doing in her life. She gets married to Boaz and she becomes the great grandmother of King David. And she becomes in, in the line and lineage of Jesus. 
because she said, I will empty myself. I I will turn out all that I am so that I can be filled. So that I can be filled. This morning, when we think about this idea of of mentoring, of of pouring into people, of being poured into, um, and we think about our lives, this morning, are we dry? Are we full? Are we overflowing? Who's pouring into our lives? Who are we pouring into? I truly believe this is the calling that every one of us in this room right now, every single one of us is a vessel. We are a vessel. And you've been poured into. And we've been called to pour into others, to pour into the Elijahs, to pour into the Ruths. The greatest example of this, the greatest example of this is when Jesus poured out himself, he poured out himself on the cross. And when he was empty and he came back to life, He then offered this, that we could be all filled with him. He was the original mentor of the 12 disciples. He was the one who made the perfect example of what it is to pour out your life and to invest into the life of someone else. This morning, as you think about your life, You think about those people that came before you. Um, You think of the Catherines um, that were just pouring into other people. I mean, their life was just, I want to pour into you and I want to pour into you and and I'm here and I'm available and and I want to speak truth into your life and I want to speak hope into your life and I want to give you wisdom. I'm telling you, man, there are are days when I meet with a mentor of mine um, that things will be said and it will make such clarity in my mind. It will be so clear in my mind that I sense real life. Like, I'm, that's amazing. I never saw it like that. I never understood it like that. And it was because this person had been through it. They had experienced it, and the wisdom of God is in them, and they were willing to pour that into my life. And when you grasp that, you grasp that every person you will ever see needs to be filled. They need it. We all need to be filled. And then once we're full, we need to pour ourselves out and and just say, um, this is not stagnant water. This is flowing water. This is living water. There's more than enough for everyone. We begin to see God working and doing great things. And so my question for myself, for us, Who's pouring into us? Who's pouring into your life? Naomi, uh, uh, Ruth, and Elijah, they had, to, they had to actually pursue it, right? They had to pursue it. Who are you pouring your life into? Who have you said, look, I'm available. I'm available if you need someone to talk to, if you need someone to pray with, if you just want to get coffee, if you just want to start talking regularly um, about spiritual things, and I'm here, I want to pour my life into your life. I want to share with you what God has taught me. I want to help. What is God saying? What is he burdening your heart with right now? What would it look like 
What would it look like if we all understood we were vessels for God? And we have such an amazing opportunity, such an amazing opportunity to allow things to flow from us into others. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. And um, we all need the living water. We need life. Uh, We need mentors. We need those who come before with wisdom to speak truth into our hearts, speak truth into our minds. And Lord, um, we also need to turn and and pass that along and, and pour into those who come behind us, those that are in around us, Um, Lord, help us. Help us to see it the way you see it. Lord, thank you. Thank you for emptying yourself so that even in this moment we can be filled with you. We can be overflowing. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand what that means. Help us to know how to live that. And Lord, give us opportunities to be filled and to, and to pour out for your glory. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most amazing things about that video was when um, there was the realization that here was someone who helped plant Gaten and um, someone who is now a key leader at Gaten, and they are connected because um, this wonderful woman, Catherine, invested in, in her generosity and, and, and also spurring others to being generous. And this morning, I, I mean, we had this amazing conversation this past week. Um, Victoria may not be with us this morning, may not be here leading music if Catherine didn't pour into the lives of people. If she hadn't poured herself out and said, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to give of myself, I'm going to invest in this, Um, and Crossroads was another very established, then Victoria is not with us this morning. And so it's just an amazing thing. The fruit of generosity is something we can't see right now. When you give of your time, when you give of your energy, and when you give of your finances, you don't know what fruit will be produced from that. But there's so many amazing stories. So many things God does that I don't think any of us could have imagined. And yet God shows up and does great things. And so this morning, we understand a part of being obedient to Jesus is to do what he calls us to do. He calls us to be generous. He calls us to give. If you're a guest with us, we have no expectation for you to give. But if you're here and you're saying, this is, this is part of my walk with the Lord, and you're prepared to give, we're going to pass a plate. You can put something in there. You can go to our website and give. But this is the time that we invest in generosity so that God's work can be done. Let's worship together.